Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Your life, and life in general, has many facets. So does our relationship with Jesus. But do we treat Jesus the way he should be? The prayer course sermon series continues. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun. Well, before I give my sermon, I thought I would give you an update on our financial situation. As you know, um, this fall, the operating deficit in our ministries was as high as $563,000, more than a half a million dollars. Staggering. Uh, But I want you to know that as long as I've been your pastor over the decades, I have never lost sleep over church finances uh, because God always funds the ministries he has called us to do. I have faith every year in God, and I have faith in you that you would respond knowing the need and the vision of the church, whether you are here in Hawaii or you're online out in our church out there. And you've always been generous and sacrificial, especially in a tumultuous season. However, this year uh, has some differences. And this year, you have been exceptional. It's probably a new record. In the last months of December, you all gave more than $647,000 which left a deficit of only about $58,000, which most businesses would be happy with in a pandemic season with a year of $3.6 million in expenses. And yes, there's some credit card bills and other outstanding bills, but I think we should be praising God. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for responding to the cause of Christ. And it would be most appropriate right now to thank and praise our Lord. So please join me. Lord, oftentimes when we are in need, we just hit you with so many prayer requests. And then we forget to thank you when our prayers are answered. So we want to say thank you, Lord. Praise God for you that you are a generous God. Great is your faithfulness. And once again, as in all the other years, um, you have shown your grace and mercy to us. But also, Lord, this is a time to thank uh, the people of this church who have been moved by your Holy Spirit, who have caught the vision, who want the ministries of this church to continue and flourish and to reach the world for Christ, to love people, love God, and reach the world. And so I Praise you, Lord, for these phenomenal people who are before me or online, and we praise you and thank you and glorify your name. And we thank God that in your sovereignty, this is a time in this message where we want to focus on honoring you. Hallowed be your name. In Christ's name, amen. So yay, first press. You guys are amazing. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Okay, as I said earlier, we're doing a new sermon series tied to small group studies for the entire church. And if you're not in a small group right now, please sign up on the church website. And there are even small 
groups on Sunday mornings uh, after service, uh, and some one or two right here, I believe. Um, the series is on the topic of prayer, more specifically on how to pray in a way that is authentically profound and where we keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it coming in our prayers. And life is hard, right? Full of pivots and, and uh pandemonium at times, and to have an active prayer life is like having strong core muscles that will sustain and inform us throughout life. Talking to the creator of the world for advice and guidance is not a bad idea. And we are basically following in this series the Lord's Prayer as an outline uh, for the sermons coming up. And we highly suggest you get Pete Griggs' book, how to pray to further strengthen and bolster your prayer life. I need some help here. Do we have the book for sale today? Do we know? Is that a yes or no? All out. All out. Okay, we kept ordering it, and thank you for buying it. So maybe we'll get some more, but you can, you know, get it online. So um, I'm going to tackle this first line in the Lord's Prayer of the concept of adoration as the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father, right, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, both the concept of adoration or hallowing something are really difficult in contemporary society. And I would add, especially difficult for us men, Adoration is not a word men use often, like saying, I really adore that car, or I really adore that shirt you're wearing, or I really adore filet mignon. Um, however, we might say, I adore that Porsche you're driving. Uh, just kidding. And so unless, well, unless we are talking about its leather seats of rich Corinthian leather, then we might say adore. But let's tackle this. In the Lord's Prayer, there's the word hallowed, or hallowed be thy name, we say. And that's not a word we use very often, if at all. I mean, perhaps movie buffs might think of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is totally a different use of the word hallowed. Hallowed be thy name is to say that God's name is holy and sacred and consecrated, sanctified, blessed. To hallow something is to honor something, or in terms of God, to worship him. So what does it mean to worship God? What does it mean to honor him? Why do we adore him? We adore him because he is holy and mighty, and he has the position of authority in our lives. Now, we Americans have a really hard time understanding monarchies. Oh, the royals are good to read about, Harry and Meghan and Charles and Camilla. Uh, but to actually be in a monarchy where we hallow or honor or venerate a king or queen is truly foreign to most of us. The British obviously are into that considering how they honored Queen Elizabeth in her passing and King Charles in his rise to the throne. But our country was formed in overthrowing the British monarchy. Our own state was sadly formed by overthrowing the Hawaiian monarchy. In fact, the annual date's coming up soon. I think it's the 17th of January. 
And I think uh, deep inside the crevices of our cranium and our soul, we Americans have a hard time with any authority above us, especially if it means to honor a human king. So when it comes to God and praying to him, we often don't treat him like a king that we should bow down or lie in front of. Um, We don't have a... concept of full allegiance to a king and that his word is gold. We don't know how to appreciate a king. Um, We have presidents with whom we argue and debate and question their credibility. Even at the level of Speaker of the House, we might need five elections to agree that we can trust and follow him, even though we're from the same party. On Broadway, in the musical Hamilton, We hear King George singing to the revolutionaries in the colonies these words, cause when push comes to shove, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. (laughs) So historically and maybe mythically, we have in our minds that kings are not worthy to be followed. They are bad, they are corrupt. But then comes Jesus, who's called the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He's our Lord. What does that mean? It is critical in our faith to honor and venerate God in our prayers. Can we think of anyone or even Jesus that we might lower ourselves and lie before him in honor and reverence? Um, I think sometimes that's why in worship, it's not the only way to worship, but some of us raise hands because it's a way to try to honor him that he's different than anyone else. And I I know for me, um, you know, maybe for my past, I don't like to do that. There's a part of me that I want to do this and something pulls it down. I go like this and something pulls it down. You know, my past or embarrassment or because I'm a guy or whatever. So how can we honor anyone or even Jesus that we might lower ourselves and lie before him in honor and reverence. And contrarily, we can often bring God lower to our level too low. Yes, Jesus says he wants to be our friend, but he's not the kind of friend where we just slap in the back and say, hey, how's that, bro? He desires to be our friend. He wants us to know that he's accessible, but his name is to be hallowed. There still needs to be a deep respect in this friendship. I don't know if you've ever seen the series, but I remember comedian Jerry Seinfeld in his show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. <laughs> and he once visited President Obama. And he, he visited the president in the Oval Office at the White House, but I felt he was, I felt, he was disrespectful to the office of the president. And you can try to be a friend with the president, but you have to show respect. So uh, Seinfeld's a comedian. Uh, But I felt he was a bit disrespectful to the president, thinking he could just rap on the Oval Office window to get the president's attention, and then to slouch in the company of the president, and then to eat one of the president's apples, and then to leave the apple core on the table, and then be told by the president to throw it away, but he attempts to throw it in the presidential wastebasket, and then to take the president in a Corvette ride, and think he could just drive out as he pleased until a guard said to him to stop, turn around, because you ain't with just anybody, you're with the President of the United States. And sometimes I know we want to be casual and familiar with the King of Kings, our Lord, and that is good, but we must remember who he is and who we are. 
He is holy, and we must always hallow and honor and respect his name. Now, let me tell you another Oval Office story in comparison with the Seinfeld one. During the American Civil War, there was an intense battle in a city called Gettysburg. And a young soldier in the Union Army lost both his older brother and father. And he knew he had to get back to the family farm to help his sister and mother in the spring planting, but he would need an exemption to be discharged. And so the president decided, I mean, sorry, so the soldier decided to go to Washington, D.C. to see President Abraham Lincoln. And when he arrived in Washington, he went to the White House, and approaching the front gate, he asked to see the president. And like in the Jerry Seinfeld video, there were security guards all around, and a guard on duty told him, you can't see the president, young man. The president's a very busy man, so please go away, son. Get back out there on the battle lines where you belong. And imagine... The young soldier felt so disheartened, so full of despair, and walked away dejected. And he sat on a park bench not far from the White House when a little boy came up to him, and and the boy said, Soldier, um, you look unhappy. What's wrong? And the soldier looked at the little boy and shared his sad story. And he said, you know, my father and my brother were killed in the Battle of Gettysburg, and, and now my mother and sister have no one to help them with the farm. The little boy listened and then said, I got an idea. I, can, I think I can help you. And he took the soldier by the hand and led him back to the front gate of the White House. And this time, the guard at the gate didn't notice them. And they went to the front door of the White House and they walked in and they got inside and they walked right past generals and high-ranking officials, and no one said a word, and the soldier couldn't understand what was happening. Why wasn't someone stopping them? And finally, they reached the Oval Office where the president was working, and they didn't even knock on the door. The little boy just walked right in and led the soldier in with him, and there behind the desk were President Abraham Lincoln and his Secretary of State looking over battle plans for a coming campaign. And the president glanced at the soldier, puzzled, and then looked at the boy, and the president smiled and said, good afternoon, Tad. Can you introduce me to your friend? And Tad Lincoln, the son of the president of the United States, said, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. And the soldier pleaded his case before the president, and immediately he received the exemption from the war that he desired. Now, right there in that story is the combination we all desire. We desire an intimacy with the Lord, as Tad Lincoln had with his son. We also desire access to the throne room, the room where it happens, the Oval Office of Heaven, so to speak. We desire an intimacy where we can talk to God about our prayer requests and also praises. But we need to respect the office and the one who resides in the office. When you decide to fully commit your life to Christ, an amazing thing happens. The Holy Spirit enters into your life like never before. And when that happens, you truly become a child of God in a new and unique way. 
In the Bible, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, it says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ, amazing. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. In the Bible, we're called children of God. Like Jesus, in some way, heirs of God joint heirs with Christ, and that means you are all princes and princesses of God the Father, the King of the universe. You have a relationship with Jesus. You have tremendous access to God the Father. And when Jesus talks to God as Abba, Father, know then that in Aramaic, in, in Jesus' language at the time, Abba is a highly informal, familiar way to address a father. It's almost like daddy. Oh, who are we to call God Daddy? Interesting, the Apostle Paul, who wrote that passage, says, when we cry, Abba, Father, he is saying we can have that kind of intimacy. He's spoken of as we, not just him. We can be like Tad Lincoln, who calls his father daddy. We have that kind of daddy relationship with God the Father. Is that not mind-blowing? We are the sons and daughters of God. That's how we should pray. Worship and prayer are coming to the Father, almost like sitting in his lap, and we have access also to barge into God's den or the throne room or the Oval Office and say, Abba, I have a problem. Or I want to share this great event in my life, like a kindergarten kid drawing a, a crayon picture. You know, Chinese families often call their dad Baba, which is like Abba. It's an informal Chinese term for dad or father. Our father, Abba, hallowed be thy name. Yes, God is accessible in our prayers. We can talk to him, and Jesus says he calls us friend, but we have to remember in our friendship that Jesus is Lord. He is God. We need to respect our heavenly Father. Hallowed be his name. And sometimes in how we worship, how we sing our songs, and how we say our prayers, we need to remember that in our hearts we are bowing down to the Lord, maybe even like lying down before him in respect. And this is where true worship of the heart begins. We see God as God. Glorify his name as we have sung. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We have read this passage before that I'm about to read, but one of the best worshiping passages in the Bible is in Revelation chapter 5, where it says this. And in fact, in reverence, in honor of God, in wanting to hallow his name, let's stand as I read his word in the Bible. The book of Revelation, starting with chapter 4, verse 8, speaking of four living creatures in heaven worshiping God. And I'll read this for us. Day and night, without ceasing, 
They sing, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and give thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns their own authority before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It is very clear that on earth, and on heaven, in heaven, we are to see God as holy and almighty. He is worthy, and he is to receive glory and honor and power because he created us and everything that exists in the world. He is to receive the power. We have to stop controlling our lives apart from him. When Jesus taught us how to pray, when he taught us to say the Lord's Prayer, he specifically, categorically, decidedly, positively, absolutely, unabashedly, plainly, clearly said to begin our prayers with adoration, with honoring God. And so Jesus said we should begin our prayers with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Respect the office of the Lord. And when we sing in worship, realize that he's the main man, the one we're worshiping. He's the audience of one. And when we were young, you know, there was a well-known prayer that people said at the dinner table with hand motions. And maybe you did this just before eating. It would be this. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Did you guys ever do this? Just me? I don't know. How bad? Just me. Amen. So maybe fun for kids, but at some point in our maturity, we have to realize that though God might have a sense of humor, uh, we also have to get serious. And yes, we're talking to a friendly, loving, accessible God, but let's honor him with respect and not be like Seinfeld who raps on the window to get President Obama's attention and then leave his apple core on the coffee table. Do we not remember that famous brilliant preacher we had here on Christmas Eve who said, life changes when you realize in the story of life that you're not the main character. You're a side character. It's not all centered on you. Wait a minute. Who was that famous preacher on Christmas Eve? Oh, that was me. Great words. Now, in the book, How to Pray, which many of us um, are reading and discussing in our prayer course small groups, Pete Grigg talks about how often, we shall, how often we start our prayers as if we're looking through a microscope. You know, we're very, that we begin and focus our prayers down here on earth, what we are feeling and what we are thinking. But Pete Grigg says, rather than zeroing in on things so small, and at times manini, we should switch the microscope we're a telescope, and we're looking where we can look them into the heavens and remember there's a big God out there who made the cosmos, 
and truly has more than a 30,000-foot level, actually a heavenly view of what life is all about and what we should be doing. And our prayers should honor him and be centered on him and his will, and we can do that and hallow his name. So our morning prayers should not be, please, God, do this and this and this for me, and here's my list, microscope, but rather our prayers should start off, Lord, may I honor you this day, and what do you want me to do today? What is your agenda for me today? And give me eyes to see what you want rather than here's my checklist and please do the following for me today as if he is kind of a holy butler. What is all about us and not listening to what he might want us to do today, it's um, an unhealthy prayer. It's not hallowing. Psalm 37 says, you know this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. If we do not wait patiently for him, we will not have adoration. We have to be still, slow down, listen, hallow and honor his name as you start praying. Declare his glory and honor and authority. And when we are still, we can actually have better private prayer and worship. When we come to God, it should not always be to get something from him, but to give something to him. And that's how we get intimacy and be in his presence. Maturity in a relationship happens when a child has learned that it shouldn't always be about getting something from a parent, but also about giving something back to the parent. And there comes a time with our Heavenly Father, that we honor him with our <clears throat> praises and seek to do his will instead of persuading him to do our will. So I close with this thought. Father uh, Randy Rush is my spiritual director who I talk for advice. And he is often trying to get me to ask the question and pray and discern what is God already doing in my life, rather than what would I like God to do. Every circumstance or event, the question keeps coming, what is God doing now? Whether you're on a mountaintop or in the valley floor. Father Randy is a Jesuit, so he does favor the Ignatian uh, discipline of looking to see how God is active in every event, whether good or bad. And recently, he wrote a blog called looking up, where he shared his thoughts on how it's physically easier for us to look down on our toes. He, he wrote that it's physically easier, no matter how much we exercise our neck uh, for looking up, it will always remain easier and more useful for us to look down so we don't trip, for example. But we need to look up more, says Father Roche, Father Roche um, and I speak of this metaphorically, it's based on an intuitive concept that God is above us, even if we know that it's not true in a physical sense. So next time you hit a challenge, look up to remind yourself that God is in control. Pray and seek his help. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Father Roche wrote that when we keep looking down, 
how much easier it is for us to notice in others, in us, faults, shortcomings, failures, rather than noticing what is good and praiseworthy in us and in others. We can choose to always look down rather than looking up and seeing God's point of view, rather than looking up and seeing hope in prayers to Him, rather than the hope that the earth offers. Somehow that also reflects how we pray. We have an easier time with seeing what's wrong, what problems we're facing, and needing God's help instead of counting our blessings and praising the source of all those blessings and seeking his wisdom. Perhaps it might help to look up as we pray. Father Randy wrote, praying with palms open and facing upwards is a symbolic gesture that expresses our trust in goodness as coming to us from an infinite source of love that is beyond and above our capacity to observe. We continually receive gifts of every kind, including discoveries, discoveries of blessings that have followed some of our greatest experiences of suffering. Looking up is a choice and a good one. The words of Randy Roche. So in closing, I would like to lead us in a prayer of looking up as a memory device, as an educational tool or reminder to start our prayers with praising God. Focus on God first by looking up. Don't do it yet, but I'm going to ask all of us to experiment in a new kind of prayer. I'd like you, and I'll tell you when, to symbolically, I'd like you to look up symbolically acknowledging that we are to focus on God first and not on the ground. And we're to honor him first and not focus on us quite yet. Start with telescope, not with microscope. And then I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with your head up. And I would add palms up and then pray silently. A long list of praising God, honoring him, by as many attributes or adjectives you can think of. You know, you're a great God, you're a wonderful God, you're a wise God, a loving God, a powerful God. Great is your faithfulness and love. I want to praise you and honor you. I want to be in your presence and feel your love. Just rattle off silently a long list of characteristics you want to praise God for. And then, with your palms still facing up, and I'll lead us in this, I will signal to you then, then to look down, and again, if you choose, with your eyes still closed, and ask God for guidance or strength on one or two concerns in your life right now. But we've prefaced it, we've prepared it with honoring and hallowing God first and um, respecting who he is. Okay? So right now, I'm going to ask you to look up and cl close your eyes if you want to. And place your hands, palm up, maybe on your lap or in the air. And right now, just pray silently to God. And, um, and we'll close eventually with, with a song. So let's pray right now. Lord, we come to you with all these praises and affirmations. We want to hallow your name. And now silently, we're going to tell you all the ways we want to glorify you and thank you and identify your greatness.
Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. And now, Lord, as we all put our heads facing down towards the ground, Lord, there are one or two things that are concerning us right now, and we ask for your wisdom and guidance, which we want to, as a Tad Lincoln, talk to you intimately as a daughter or a son in your heavenly lap. Here are our concerns. Lord, as the worship team comes up, we always want to be in a mode where we continually praise you. For you are a wonderful God. Lord, forgive us that sometimes we don't adore you enough or hallow you enough or affirm you enough. Maybe like Valentine's, it's once a year where we send a card of love. But Lord, from here on, we're going to try to affirm you and hallow your name. And thank you for hearing our requests for what our desires are right now. And we know you are a friend and you are our Lord and you will come near us with your presence and you will always be working on our behalf. Lord, you are an incredible God. You are a beautiful God. And so we want to stand and sing our words of adoration to you. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs> so now receive this benediction. May the Lord uh, bless you and keep you, and may his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and intimacy and grace and mercy of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you all online. Aloha, ahuiho. We'll see you next week. God bless. Jesus is our friend. But he remains God. The creator of the universe is also accessible through prayer. Our reverence and adoration of him should always be appropriate. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prayer sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Please join First Press for Church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online on our websites. And remember, when you visit the website, please check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Press. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Press, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2023 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.